Welcome back, everyone, to Tint Talks. We're happy to have you tuning in. Hi, it's Stacy. We introduced some more systemic concepts last time on our episode, and so we wanted to expand on that and really think about other areas where maybe it's the same mindset, different system. So, well, and also the brain loves repetition. Yep. And so maybe if that was your first understanding, this episode will cement or at least dig deeper roots, grow deeper roots than yep. last episode. Yeah, I definitely sometimes I'll, I'll hear I've heard the same thing for years and years. Like we have these aha moments where like it finally switches where your neural pathway solidifies itself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, that's what we meant by that. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, yeah. it's where it really aligns deeper and probably it has an emotional connection too, which I think is again, super powerful when it comes to knowing something, you have to have that emotional confirmation. And neuroplasticity is something that happens in your brain throughout your whole life cycle. Yeah. You can be learning new things into your eighties. There's no scientific evidence that suggests otherwise. In fact, the opposite is true. Everything points to your brain is very changeable. Like sometimes we just think our brain got older or something like it stored all those memories from when I was a child or things got developed and now I'm just older. The opposite is true. Your cells regenerate. They yeah. go through a life death life cycle. And so things just rebuild. And so the more that you can introduce and solidify more concepts, it's like you can really evolve. Yeah. When I first remember hearing how health, in a way, people define health as like adaptability. Mm -hmm. I like that you brought in neuroscience because I think this is an important concept when we talk about mindsets too. Like think of a dirt road, right? Think of you drive down this dirt road over and over and over again. And so it creates these deep ruts. And so when a new concept is introduced to you, you might think it's a good concept, you might even believe it's a valid concept. But you can't even sometimes turn out of that neural pathway if you try until you build a new road and you travel down that new road over and over again. And so that old road kind of gets overgrown, we can still fall back into it. But We're just so used to driving down this other new road that we've created and forged and plowed, you know, and worked on that that becomes the new normal. The new natural. Yeah. Yeah. So think of it that way. And yes, so yes, we do get stubborn in our thinking. It is harder. The older we get, the more we've traveled down and thought certain things to change. But like you said, it is possible. We are complex, changing, evolving beings. (laughs) This week, I was noticing some of my rigidity. And it's basically around dating. I think I have a lot of rigidity around that, like opening up to somebody or feeling like I would want to date. But a lot of it comes back to these structures of like, is there a good man that is able to like look at his privilege and look at his place in the world and choose goodness over his privilege. Yeah. And then like, it just opens up all these doors within me. I know all of these women who have been divorced or are getting divorced and just seeing how the system works against them. And it's so hard for myself in my rigid pattern that exists of like, 
believing in the hope that there is somebody that's also paralleling doing the hard work, taking personal accountability. Yeah. And so I kind of got my butt kicked this week, just like, oh, yep, I'm rigid there. Yep, I'm closed off there. Yeah. It was just like one, you know, isolated experience that reminded me of that. Yeah, I mean, and so I kind of skipped the whole check-in thing, but maybe even like on a bigger level, you know, collectively, what are you noticing about that, you know, and how are you feeling it? Because I think it is a a systemic vibe in Mm -hmm. a way. Well, I've always noticed marriage privilege Mm -hmm. or -hmm. family privilege. Like, let's take my cell phone bill. I pay a ridiculous amount because... I don't have other people to share the bill with. Yep. And so you can like add a line for $20 or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, I have been a customer for 20 years or yeah. whatever my story is. When am I a family of the company or, mm-hmm. you know, when do I get family rates? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there are so many things that families like even Costco. Yeah. I want a Costco card. Yeah. But am I going to go shop at Costco? No. What am I going to do with a family size? Yeah. Lasagna or whatever. Yeah. And why would you go pay 60 bucks just to be able to shop there? Yeah. But do I love everything at Costco? Absolutely. Does it make sense for me? No. Yeah. So I have always identified with singlehood in a different way because I can see how people benefit from the marriage system, from the family system. Mm. And... It's just a whole nother world when you're alone and you do everything by yourself and people don't get that until they get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, we've discussed that a little bit earlier, kind of how, yes, a lot of single people feel like they don't earn this credibility and they often don't, right? I mean, that's again, that's a systemic mindset and even in their own family, like with parents, like, oh, I got to find the partner and then... I'll get this praise and status for my parent. Then I'll be good enough. And wow, it's Well, we talk about that in capitalism, Mm -hmm. how you often get promoted if you're married because you have a family to support. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about it in church callings. You don't see people in high church callings that are single. Yep. That are men. I think it's not as often with women too, right? Yeah. It's not, it's probably not as prevalent. It's happened, or there's like the but... one token yeah, right. person. Yeah, the breadcrumb. Mm-hmm. So we were going back to different ways that systemic thinking or non-systemic thinking can affect us. And, and one you were talking about, the Walmart example, would you illustrate oh. that? Like what's an example of how... It's hard to, even if you understand systemic thinking here, to challenge it. Yeah. So a lot of people, once they realize where their products are sourced from or why it's so inexpensive to shop at Walmart or Amazon. Or the ethics of the company. Like we don't, we disagree with their response, how they're using. Policies, like how much they pay. People are treating overworked. Yep. Um, underpaid, where they don't even have living wages. And that all accounts into those low prices. Mm-hmm. But because... The, and the people at the top are, are not struggling. They're not. They are billionaires. <laughs> they are billionaires. Yeah. But if you're poor, then you're also part of that system. So you don't have another choice 
but to support it. Yeah, you or you think I don't agree with the ethics of this company, but then I need these products to feed my family. I yeah. need to go here because it's really close to my house. I'm running back and forth to school and I, I need to go get these things all in one place and it's convenient, right? I need to. We perpetuate this cycle even if we're aware of it. And so it comes down to like your own inner navigation. Like what do I care about the most? Yeah. Like I like to buy books from bookstores because I really want to keep bookstores in business. So I try really hard not to buy books on Amazon. I buy them secondhand. I look at Facebook Marketplace. I do a lot of other things mm-hmm. before I look at Amazon because Amazon is so easy. It's a one click. Yeah. You buy that book. But yeah. even if you can look at the used section of Amazon, like there are layers yeah. within options and yeah. it does take more work but not that much. Just a little bit you of just, intention, yeah. maybe. You just shift a little bit. And then when your brain is used to doing that, it feels normal. I like this idea, you know, and it, it applies to anything we try to do, but making the better choice most of the time. Yeah. Just a step maybe in the... And we can get stuck in a real rigidity in black and white, like this is good and this is bad. And I learned that with actually disordered eating... Mm-hmm. because sometimes people will buy an organic apple from Chile or a local apple that was grown in their neighborhood that is not organic. They'll choose that Chile option or that imported option from halfway across the world just because of that organic label. But the process of getting that apple and the integrity of the apple by the time you eat it is not the same quality as the apple that's growing in the same environment that you live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I would fall into that trap a lot. And that's how your brain tricks you because then you fall back into the right and wrong, rigid patterns, black and white, good and bad. Instead, you have to get into these compromises. And that's a systemic mindset too. And one word used to describe that is called splitting. So when you split things into these just rigid categories of good and bad, and we do that with people, right? We do that with people and we do that with business entities. They're bad, you know? And so then we might go then split somebody else and shame them and say, Mm -hmm. I can't believe you would do that. I can't believe you would shop here. And, you know, instead of this is a complex systemic issue, Mm -hmm. there's lots of good and bad things about it. Not everything is all bad. Not everything is all good. And, you know, we're all trying to figure out stuff. So challenge that kind of splitting concept where society wants us to demonize again and label things in terms of rigidity and black and white. Yeah. It's like when I'm talking with someone and they have to apologize for something like, I know I bought it or whatever. And it's like, I'm not going to judge you for your choices because I'm staying in my own lane trying to navigate all of mine because we're living in the same world where we each have to navigate our choices. Yeah. So it's not really beneficial for me to point fingers or to shame anybody else for their choices because I'm still working on mine. Well, shame and accountability are different, right? That's true. So systemic. So we keep the system, the toxicity or the destructive patterns in the system the same when we don't challenge and hold accountable. But that's different than shaming and saying, again, splitting and saying you're a bad person. 
because you're doing it, right? And we can challenge someone and they can feel shame. And that's different than shaming them. Yep. Correct. Correct. Shame's very tricky that way. Yeah. It loves to tell a story and say, they just think you're a bad person because that's the story they tell themselves a lot of the times where they're Mm -hmm. afraid of instead of, oh, this is just something I was unaware of, right? This is just my ignorance, perhaps, and my, again, maybe a privileged mindset that I don't realize how I'm impacting this person or this group of people. Yeah. On the topic of privilege, Liz and I wanted to talk about some of our own privileges. Yeah. Because it holds us accountable. Mm -hmm. And it also models what that is for the listeners so that they can start to name their own privilege, because it's not bad to have privilege. It just is. And it's situations out of your control. But then what you choose to do with your privilege is entirely up to you. So what are our privileges? I I have white privilege. That's kind of a more obvious one. Yeah. One thing we mentioned is doing this podcast is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Why? We have information to share. Mm-hmm. We have time. Mm-hmm. We know somebody who's able to produce this. Yeah. Like even having a network. Yeah. Maybe just having the space that we've been able to talk about these ideas more in our safety. life. We have the yeah. safety too. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about emotional intelligence as being a privilege in a way, because right, there's this example I I share with clients a lot about this awareness I I got to with my kids and how my son was emoting some tears and sadness. And I had this really powerful physical reaction to it. And I was noticing that and comparing to when I hear that happen with my daughter and going, okay, there's a there's a disconnect here. There's a privilege that we give girls to emote mm-hmm. and be sad that boys don't have. And that privilege can often be used against us. We know that. Sure. We know sure. that. But still, it is a privilege to have the time and space and safety to process emotions and to also become emotionally intelligent. Sometimes people are forced into it, but the act of having time and space and safety to do that is a privilege. Yeah. Even Resources. in small degrees. I don't think we give we give anybody enough, right? Nobody really feels maybe completely safe to do it. So I want to shout out to, to a lot of girls and women out there, of course, who are struggling with that. And because, of course, they might even have other things in their life that aren't privileged to do that. You know, they might not have a safe family. My family always did okay financially. So that was a privilege, right? Growing up with financial privilege. I think within feminism, there's intersectionality. And that's a really important part of feminism, because it calls out privilege. Mm -hmm. Black women or women of color can be invisible, where White women might be overlooked or misheard or, you know, spoken over. That's a lot different than being completely invisible and being really smart and competent and working so hard to even be seen. Think about female black children, right? What that would be like to be so far down uh, anyway, and, and poor. 
and again, it, it's maintained too by the systemic thinking. And, and so when people of privilege are like, well, they could work harder and they choose to be that way. Wow. That's to completely be blinded by the systemic process and how the system keeps them there. Yeah. Realizing that most of my friends were white and part of my same socioeconomical, Mm -hmm. that's a privilege. Mm -hmm. And once I noticed that, like with my social media, for example, I started unfollowing the voices that were like mine and started following a lot of people of color and a lot of different voices that I don't get here locally yeah. or within my friend group and community because I I need to hear those voices. Yeah. I'm straight privilege, right? Like sexuality gives you a privilege, how you identify or orient. And like, I'm working with some men in my practice right now who identify in the bisexual group and and they're really sharing how that even puts them almost one beneath even gay men how like we've really pushed this movement and there's like a lot of support for like gay men but if you're bi it it, and I was like I can see that I can see why that would feel like there's still there's still not the space for you and you know they're kind of talking about that and how they're maybe their female partner who's also bi is is more likely to be accepted and has more ability to develop relationships. And I'm like, wow, I could totally see that. I've never thought about that. Yeah. But I can see it. Yeah. I can and, see it. And so like all these levels of power and privilege within that dynamic too. A lot of people, we've mentioned this before, who are afraid to leave the church because they might not see their privilege being a part of a religion, but they can see somewhere that there is an exclusion being outside of it. Yeah. And and to close that gap, you have to start naming some of those privileges. Yep. Like being a part of a community that you didn't have to work for, having mm-hmm. resources yep. that are just there that mm-hmm. you can are at your disposal. Yeah. You benefit in your relationships a lot of times. You benefit in your business for, for living this certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so religious privilege, right? Like I didn't I didn't realize I had it until I s- stepped away and like, oh yeah, there there's a lot of people that want to judge you and call you dangerous and even scapegoat you now that you're not meeting the norm, right? Mhm. Yeah, when you identify as something, people will cling on to that. And so you have to be careful the things that you want to be a part of are aligned with you. Yeah. Health, right? Like physical health privilege. Like mm-hmm. if you have a physically healthy body, you have privilege over like able, someone who's, yeah, yeah able, able privilege. Yeah. Ableism and, yeah. and able body privilege. Yeah. You don't have to think about navigating if the sidewalk has cracks in it or if the ground is even or if there's going to be accessible parking. Do they have ramps? Are the bathrooms accessible? Is there a handle I can hold on to? If you don't have to think about it, then why would you? Yeah. Because the world is built for you. It's not built for other bodies. Yeah. What did you ask me the other day? 
at work because you were using my my height privilege. <laughs> I was. I needed help, and I was like, "I need your height privilege." <laughs> Hey, this lamp. Yeah, it was I can't good. reach. And I was like, yeah, that's my privilege. Yeah, I can reach stuff. And you don't think about kind of navigating the world in another body sometimes, you well, know? And I mean, think about all the daily tasks that if you had to bend down or get a stool for, that's a big waste of time. And yeah. so when you're really wealthy, you can customize things to certain heights or... Yeah, But think about that if you don't have money and there's a situation, you have to make a lot of adjustments to make the standard home. And if you're renting, you don't even have that privilege. No. Yeah. Abled body privilege. I notice that a lot just because of my working with bodies. Mm -hmm. And my clients teach me a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's something we absolutely thin privilege don't think about thin, thin privilege. privilege people just assuming that you're healthy because your yeah. body is thin right not even questioning you and- go to the doctor and they treat you differently and mm-hmm. they and they assume you're unhealthy if y- you might fit quote an overweight bracket and that's not always true that some of these people are more healthy than the thinner people and actually i just read a study that was suggesting that people who are thin often are being untreated for type 2 diabetes because they're not even being tested because yeah. there's an assumption made. I see your body. You're thin. You, you don't you, have type 2 diabetes. So keep eating whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not a risk because yeah. if you're thin, you're healthy. Thin equals healthy. Yeah. That's wrong. It's wrong. That's it's wrong. so wrong. Yeah mental health privilege or, you know, like people who, who have identified, you know, mental illness or disorders, like they're looked down upon, you know, they're ranked as lower. Mm-hmm. They're, they're definite scapegoats. S- yeah. Special privileges or uh, privileges in quote, if you have a mental health problem, like, right. Which again, just maintains the problem and makes mm-hmm. people who probably actually need the most help again, not get it because they're hiding it versus speaking being honest. openly. Yeah. I've noticed that specifically in postpartum women being so afraid to come forward and say, I'm not feeling stable mentally and emotionally, which by the way is very common. It doesn't make it normal, but it's very common. People will not come forward and say, I need help because there's so much stigma. Yeah. Around still being. Yeah. Mental illness after having. Targeted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A oh. baby. Well, so, you know, even, even just subtle ways people talk about, well, they have depression. So, oh, well, they have, you know, their anxiety. I mean, these things that are like, should be ubiquitous. Like everyone should deal sometimes with depression, anxiety, you know, Mm -hmm. some PTSD. Like we all have them. We all deal with them, but some people talk about it and some people refuse. I told you before I was reading the book Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. She talks about things being a state and some things being a trait. Yeah. We are all in different states of being at a time. So I can be in an anxious state. I can be anxious about something. 
Or and I it's can, perfectly appropriated for what you're dealing with, yes. right? Like if, if I tell clients, you know, based on what you're telling me, if you didn't feel depression, I would be worried. If yeah. you didn't feel this panic and anxiety, I would be more worried, mm-hmm. right? If you didn't. And then there are traits where that is just something that I live with and that is part of my personality. It's within me. It's a trait that I have. Yeah. And so and emotions are not traits, they're states. Emotions are states. Yeah. Right? They yeah. they are just temporary they states. Mm-hmm. They flow. To deny yourself emotions because you don't want to claim, you know, a category or a labeling. That's a real problem that we have as a society. It's okay to be in different states. Yeah. Yeah. I think very few things are traits, but I think they act more like traits. Again, when we refuse to be open and adaptable, right? Mm-hmm. When we refuse to learn or even see them as conditional states, then they become more rigid. Yeah. And we get trapped in them. Like grief and sadness, right? If I'm not moving that and feeling it and showing up, it becomes depression, a chronic condition, a more chronic mm-hmm. place. I feel like there's so many examples that we can give with levels of privilege. And we wanted to just throw all of these out here. There's so many more, I'm sure, that I haven't even thought about that I, you know, that I benefit from. I don't, I don't know, but I'm sure there's tons, you know, access to healthy food, you know, access to the internet, access to clean water, you know, I mean, just things that we don't, first world privilege, you know, (laughs) there's a lot. And, and once you begin to identify your own, you can say, okay, I have this amount of privilege. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. What choices? Yeah. How is that going to help me navigate the world? Yeah, privilege is not a bad thing. It's not an attack. If somebody came up to me and said, will you benefit from that privilege? I would say, absolutely. Yeah. I do. You're right. Yeah. Entitlement is demanding certain treatment because of privilege. I'm not wanting to do anything with that privilege. Or even the recognition. Again, we talk about just standing in our truth and speaking it is a force that I don't think we realize. Like the invisible workings of that, I don't think we can even grapple sometimes with the power of that. But just recognizing that and being like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I see that now. I'm aware. And I guess just... In closing to this episode, wrapping up, it's hard to do this. Yeah. It's not easy yeah. to call out your own privilege because you have to look outside of yourself and you have to see the world differently. Or or maybe how I'm playing into that and keeping other people out of one down mm-hmm. by just my lack of awareness, right? How am I not helping others that maybe I have the ability to because I don't see, and I'm actually harming them, Yeah, you know? So we have a little mantra that was, Liz doesn't know I'm going to say this, but she wrote a really beautiful post the other day that I saw, and it is humanity over hierarchy Mm -hmm. and partnership over patriarchy. If you just ask yourself how can i be in partnership here how can i how can i be a good human 
like, what is the human thing here? It's human to have emotions. It's human to do these things. And, and thinking about other humans as you navigate the world. Yeah. Even thinking about the earth. How can I live in harmony? Mm-hmm. It's beautiful on the other side. Yeah. And it feels good to be accountable, even though it can feel really hard at first. Yeah. But it's- I like being called out now more. I mean, like is a strong word, but I really have a new level of appreciation so- something for it. like in my body almost, I feel like releases yeah. when I when I accept that with somebody, you know, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, thank you for calling. Yeah. A call in. Call in. Calling me in. Oh, I love that. Instead of cu- being called out. They're calling call me, me in, in to their experience and their space. Call me into the, alignment. A sacred I wasn't space. aware of that before. Yeah. Call me into the greater humanity. Call me in oh. to partnership. Don't call me out. Call That's me in. That's good. Yeah. That's good, Stacy. Mm. I borrowed it from, I don't know who, but we stand on the shoulders of giants, but yeah. I'm, thank you giants out there. I, you know, there's so many, but yes, thank you, you know, giants. Thank yeah. you for all of our privilege to be able to do this. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you soon.